Maybe we can guess the books, boys. Welcome to Books Boys. That's right. Live from the Grand Library, the Dean and Lee Boy Guys, keep calm and read your tickets. We're using the Anna Karenina method here. Hey, welcome to Books Boys. Uh, the Dean joined by Alex, but I forgot to say the thing. He's Alex. Hello there. I'm Dean, <laughs> and we are the Books Boys. Yay! This is the Books Boys show. Get it? Buy it. Books. That's two months in a row. <laughs> two months in a row. You see, we just did a caper captain so that's, like ten that's minutes true. before this. And I started with the hello there, yeah. sort of to remind you, <laughs> and then you still forgot. Also, uh, from the intro to this, you mentioned the Anna Karenina method. I had mentioned that today to my flatmate, because um, mm-hmm. she is interested in reading, like, Defoe, which mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever read anything mm-hmm. from. Me neither. I mean, Robinson Crusoe is the most famous, but that's not the one she's planning on reading. But yeah, we ended up talking about, like, yeah, Dostoevsky, and uh, so... Just yeah. Anna Karenina method, uh, written too long, yes, and unnecessary. I was gonna but save it for later, good. but since you've brought me to it, I'm gonna get straight to this month's sponsor. Um, you may remember the Anna Karenina method, which was, of course, write a short story and then put 700 pages of farming manual in. <laughs> this month, we are sponsored by the successor to that, the Victor Hugo method. Uh-huh. Which is write a novella and then include several hundred pages of intricate, detailed descriptions of a building, uh, and of several buildings all over the time. So if you'd like to, if you're writing a story and you just think if only this was triple the length, but nothing of value was actually added to it, and you've already used the Anna Karenina method for your last novel, um, then head over to the Victor Hugo method dot edu, and they will uh, they'll help you get sorted out with your new novel. So that's where we're at today. Hey, at least this is an educational resource. Right? So exactly, that's us um, with our sponsor. We're here. We've read some books. Alfred is reading. He's going to be less um, less chicanery this yeah. time. We're in the same room again. Uh, is he reading the Duma? He is reading the Duma. Is that the one you're going to start with? Yes, but he can't read it because it's in Spanish. He's pretending. Yeah. Well... <laughs> He's probably going to like it as much as uh, if it were in English. Yeah, right. It was not a good book. Um, we'll, <laughs> we'll start there. We'll get we'll get to it first. I think. Yeah, I was not uh, I was not pleased. Um, yeah. So I read four books, and I think you're right. I think we'll just go ahead and, and start straight away with the Duma. So you may recall I've spoken to you about it, although you weren't on the show at the time. But I read the Joseph Balsamo books. And that was the the sorcerer guy. Um, I think I read like three of them, but I could never figure out how many I'd read because all the different editions had different cutoff points between the novels. And I read this mammoth book that turned out to be like one and one third books or something. And I was like, I don't understand why it's been done like this. Um, this is supposed to be part eight. <laughs> so okay. This is the last part. And how many did you read? I read like one, two, three, and eight, I think. I couldn't find the others. Mm-hmm. Um, this was disappointing because although it's part eight, Joseph Osamo does not appear and nor does Dr. Gilbert. 
Um, and I read it on Wikipedia, and the Wikipedia is kind of like, yeah, apparently it's the last part of the novel, but it's not of the series, but it's not really connected to the other seven parts. So, cool. Okay. okay. So, so why? <laughs> Duma is so weird because there is no, like, there's no way of knowing exactly how much is even out there, like no. what's connected to what. I, I don't. There's no. Someone needs to just compile it and be like, here it is. This is like a fixed way of doing it. There doesn't seem to be a proper just system. Like, give me the Tolkien <laughs> version, like of Lord of the Rings, that's two thousand pages long. Like, except not Lord of the Rings, I know. Yeah, but the idea would be helpful. I basically didn't like this because, it, first of all, it wasn't what I was expecting, right? It didn't give me the characters I wanted. Um, it's technically the end of the Marie Antoinette series, so she does appear in it. Okay, technically, all these books are the Marie Antoinette series, but really they're the Joseph Balsamo series. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just send it straight down the gutter. And then when we stop at level one of the gutter, I'm going to go ahead and uh, send it further down. This was terrible. I, oh, I, really? Yeah, I, I, I hated it. Um, oh, wow. That's the first book I've heard you say, like, you actively hated yeah. So, my I read it in Spanish. It's called El Caballero de la Casa Roja. Uh, the French title is Le Chevalier de la Maison Rouge, um, The Knight of the Red House. I get it. It's, it sounds the worst in English, somehow. <laughs> um... Once again, remember I talked about the Scarlet Pimpernel and all those kind of things. Yeah. Once again, this is a swashbuckling kind of book that never delivers the mm. swashbuckling. So everyone's talking about this fabled Knight of the Red House. And I assumed it was going to be the, the kid from the first the rest of the books. But of course it's not. It's just some random guy. And I'm Named thinking... Coyote. Coyote. <laughs> yeah, it was not the Coyote books. <laughs> um, it's just nothing. Like, they talk about him. There is one scene where there's a grand reveal and um, they're, they're talking about this guy, Muriel or something, and he's like, oh, which one do you mean? They're like, well, you know, there's only one um, Mauricio going around here. And he's like, ah, yes, and it's me. And it's also the knight because I am him all along, da-da-da. And it's like, oh, cool. You haven't done, done anything, though, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, I knew where that was going. And that's the problem. <laughs> it kind of doesn't go anywhere. So we open the book with this lady, um, she's walking around the town, and some guards stop her, and they say you need a, like a pass, a salvo conducto, like a kind of safe pass to get through the town. And she's like, I didn't know this. Um, so they take her to the guards, and then they're just like, okay, I guess you didn't know. Somehow, that's fine. So most of the actions don't seem to go anywhere, like already that first scene is irrelevant. Then we have um, some guards just getting up to banter. They talk about this knight who we don't see for like at least half, if not three quarters of the book. It just kind of nothing. Nothing happens. Nothing goes anywhere. Marie Antoinette and the Princess Isabella, they're in prison. They're going to be um, presumably killed at one point. There's this idea of rescuing them. I, I didn't feel invested in anything, to be honest. Mm. At one point, they do go in to rescue them, and Marie Antoinette very boldly says, no one shall give their life for mine, which is fantastic, and also not plausible. <laughs> um, but really, there was not a lot to like. Mauricio has a little bit of, um, what's the word, that kind of chivalrous Three Musketeer vibe, when someone, so, so someone's going to attack him, and they say, you know, if you raise your voice, I'll kill you right now. 
And he's kind of like, well, do you think that if I'd wanted to raise my voice, I wouldn't have already done it? And I kind of like his coolness in the situation. You know, that, that gets me. Quips. Yeah. Um, so that's nice. So how long did this take This take you? It's almost 500 pages. I'm guessing this took you like a week? Yeah, 500 pages in Spanish. I think about a week, maybe, in a round. All right. It, it wasn't a fun week. <laughs> <laughs> and because I read it at the very beginning of the month, I, I, I barely even remember it, but I, I consulted my notes today. Um, there's not a lot to like. The girl, by the way, is called Genevieve. She ends up in prison towards the end as well. Um, there's just a lot of, like, oh, now she's in prison and now this is happening... The the guy Mauricio falls in love with her, of course. Like the, this is every book, right? So mm. he wants to go with her. She is married though to Mister Dixmer, and no one ever seems to care about that in these books, right? So the fact that she's married, and of course she ends up yeah. choosing this guy because it's all about who you love. Yeah, yeah. You'll just leave your husband, and you'll be okay. That is the way of it. So she ends up choosing him. I just felt they're really. They talk about, like, women being the enemy of the nation and things like that at one point. I don't really know where that comes from. Mauricio is like, look, these women are being punished enough just by their general lot in life. I don't know why you want to, like, punish them further. I'm struggling to think of anything to say that recommends this book, to be honest. Like, I really loved the first couple. Joseph Balsamo is a fantastic character. The closest I can come to a recommendation is a little bit of the melodrama and the romance. So when is it when um, Genevieve or Gene- Genevieve originally turns down Mauricio because she's married, mm-hmm. he says, "Well, that's it. There's nothing left for me but to die." <laughs> and she's like, "Really? You gotta that's... die?" And he responds, "Well, die or forget you, I guess." <laughs> I'm like, <"Yep>, that, <laughs> okay, that's that nice. somewhat funny. So even, like, I'm looking through this just to see if any of the chapter titles are interesting. There's one called The Duel. Yeah, like, I think there is a duel. I barely remember. Barely remember? Yeah. And that's sad because that is in the last, like, 50 pages of the book. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a Citizen Simon who, who gets involved in, like, help conspiring against the other guys. And, and he's supposed to be a bit of a villain or whatever. It's funny because at one point they're gonna Genevieve is gonna be so. So basically, what's happening is this girl is is warning people by putting notes in the bouquets of flowers she's giving them, and they call her to court and they say, "Who put you up to this?" And she says, "No one. I did it off my own bat, and they don't believe her, and they think she's part of some big conspiracy with the Knight of the Red Heist and all this kind of stuff." And she won't give any information away, so they're gonna they're gonna kill her. And then the judge says, "You thought your youth and your beauty would get you off." Well, it has, but maybe <laughs> next time it won't. <laughs> like, you can't always rely on that, but today you can. Yeah, that so, sounds about So right. she gets off with it. <laughs> this is feeling, yeah, very Dumas still. Yeah. <laughs> There's also some weird things, because they call everyone citizen, and I guess it's some kind of like, okay. they're trying to get rid of the monarchy, and it's that kind of post-revolution period, you know, or during, I guess, technically. Um, but the girl says something like, Dios mío. And they're like, no, that's an aristocratic term. We say ser supremo. So we don't say my god, we say supreme being. That's the democratic thing to say. I'm like, is it? Okay, I guess. Is this <laughs> why, why is this a plot point? Like, I don't know. Um, 
but yeah, look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dwell on it anymore. I thought the Knight of the Red House was gonna come in, swashbuckling, riding his horse, killing everyone, dueling everyone. Yeah, I mean, he, I guess he kind of does a little bit, but all I can picture is just the scene from uh, Monty Python's Holy Grail when he comes into the castle and just starts attacking people yeah, during the yeah. wedding. That is like, what I want from books. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. It wasn't that. Uh, the girl's husband, Dixmer, returns at one point, of course, and there's a bit of a, you know, kerfuffle there um, because she's kind of emotionally cheating already and he's painted as a bit of a bad guy, but then that also doesn't come to anything. It's just fine. Like, this is one of the worst written Dumas books, I think, that I've read. It just felt... And this is the last one, so it's a little bit sad. I said I wasn't going to do any more Dumas after this. Um, yeah, I don't regret it. It just kind of felt like this one didn't go anywhere. And that's sad. Mm. Well, one funny quip just to end on. They're all about to get killed. A bunch of people, including Genevieve. And someone says, Genevieve, you you loved and you died first. This person was not even condemned, but somehow he's going to die next. And I... The most criminal of the three who have actually done criminal deeds get to die last. This is like the injustice of like the mm. political system that's going on at the time. Um, I would say go read any other Dumas book. <laughs> <laughs> so and that's obviously start with Three Musketeers or Count of Monte Cristo, of course, because they are the best. If you haven't read them, yeah. Would you still say start with Monte Cristo? I would say just purely based on length. Start with Musketeers. Yes, so... Depends on what type of like book nerd we're talking to here. So, there's... Yeah, Musketeers, shorter, generally uh, easier to get into, I think. Kind of Monte Cristo, you do have an out if you want, which I don't necessarily recommend, and I don't think you would allow me to recommend it. Mm -hmm. uh, there is an abridged version. I'm about to send you down the gutter. <laughs> <laughs> yep. There's an abridged version of Count of Monte Cristo, which is fantastic in a way, because it does cut out all those unnecessary points and keeps it you, going. You could, yeah. Um, I think that one's still like six, 700 pages. Okay, okay. So you're still getting a good amount from it. I honestly thought you were going to say something else, because there's a story of him in prison at the beginning. It's like 150 pages, and I was going to be like, that's almost a story in itself. Like, you could just read that. Yeah. Or cut that and read the rest. Oh, no, no. I don't think you can cut that. I love that bit. It, I, it's my favorite, him. actually. Yeah. But, I mean, you could almost have that as a separate entity. Yeah. You know, and have the rest as a sequel, almost. Like, that's how you, I would split it. Edmund Dantes in jail, and him making a friend there is fantastic. That whole story, and then... Going off to the island and like finding the treasure. Like, I think that is. I've never read Treasure Island, but that's what I would want it to be. Yeah. I've never read either, actually. So, that... that's that. That's the first book done. Um, we've got some good stuff coming Stevenson. up. Robert Louis Stevenson. Mm -hmm. We're recording now right at the end of February. We I did this month. I went to uh, Newcastle. We visited uh, Saloni from the Film Fellows show. More on that later. Um, so that was nice and I'm off to Spain uh, very soon I'm going to do some days in Barcelona and Valencia so that's what I'm doing and I've been dancing lots of salsa and keeping very busy but we've also been doing lots of podcasts so 
If you've listened, you'll know that on the free Books Boys feed, we've been releasing old episodes of Playboys and Dark Place Dreamers. And I've been in two Playboys a month and one Dark Place Dreamers because we had such a backlog to catch up on. Now mm. we're kind of getting caught up. So this month and last month, we did something a little bit different. We put some Poetry Pals and some Caper Captains. This month there's going to be loads of Caper Captains because they're quite short. So they're all getting released this month. But we have just done one new Caper Captains, as Alex mentioned, and that's over on Patreon. Uh, Murder is easy. And then from next month, what you'll get is, as well as Books Boys for free, you'll get one old Playboys. We'll be finally starting our Playboys of Attica series. Playboys of Attica! From the intro. Um, so you'll be getting that. Starting off with some Aristophanes. Mm-hmm. Some months there might be a second Playboys, because we did do a few extra ones throughout the year. Tartuffe, for example. There was a couple of like little pieces in there. Um, you'll get another Dark Place Dreamers. We'll be starting into the Hammer House of Horror. That was not good. One episode so was very good. <laughs> Whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. The House That Bled to Death was there fantastic. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to start releasing some old film fellows as well. So we'll get those. So I just thought we might as well have more of our old uh, contents. So there'll be lots of nice things coming for free. But if you do head over to patreon.com slash booksboys, you will continue getting all the new plays that we're doing. Um, For example, myself, Alex, and Carla, we're going to start... um, Well, not start, we're going to continue. Basically, just miscellaneous plays, and we're doing some from different countries and things. So, for example, um, I just did an Oscar Wilde with Carla. Alex, you did six characters in search of an author? Yep, the Luigi Parandello, which turned into a... Really good episode, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, we talked a lot about like not just like what's happening there, but theater in general. We started. We talked a little bit about like different methods in theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was brought up the Barba method. She brought up Stanislavski and some like really detailed discussion that uh, we usually don't get into. Also, I was, was excluded. You were excluded, <laughs> but you also don't know much about those things. That is true. <laughs> However, I think the people listening uh, for free also do not know who Carla is at this point. <laughs> She's called in on the two-year, three-year anniversary. But yeah, you don't know her, you don't know her much. Um, but that's over on Patreon. So you get them all a year in advance. Basically, it's a year delay, yeah. So go get all the stuff now. Um, there's a new film fellas up. While I was in Newcastle with Saloni, we went to watch a new Bollywood release, and we did a review on that. Um, in fact, we did our last episode of our Twilight, Dark Place Dreamers, and we did a bonus episode of from mm-hmm. the 80s show, so that's up as well. Um, you did six characters in search of an author. We did the Oscar Wilde. So there's quite a lot of... Also, yeah, the Oscar Wilde was Lady Windermere's fan. More on Oscar Wilde in a few moments. And Aris and I did another episode of Arcan. So quite a lot still going up. Even though we're releasing a lot of old stuff for free, there's still a lot of new stuff going up on Patreon. And it's like $3. And you get to be our best friend. And I'll give you a virtual hug and go and buy the damn thing. Yes. And we will then be getting to some other new ones uh, very soon. I'll be doing translations by... Uh, oh no, Brian! I can't remember his name. Uh, Irish author. <laughs> uh, it's sad because the Queen's uh, Theatre, like one of them, is named after him. Oh, Brian Feel is it? Yeah, yeah. that's it. Um, so doing that later this week. Uh, I need to read up mm-hmm. on him for with, sure. With Rob, with Dark Place Robert, I believe. Yeah. Yes, that is with Dark Place Robert. I have been excluded <laughs> by choice. By choice, because I don't want to read this one. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so there's still lots of new stuff uh, going on there. And I guess while we're on that, I will play the ad for the Patreon. Updated version. The fact that will be presented is true. 
Dark Place Robert and Playboy Alex. Doing all right. Glad to be here again. Nobody's going to know me from that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Joined by Saloni. Say hello. Hello, everyone. Dean, joined by Carla. Hello. Talk about some plays. It'll be fun. Joined by Animator Iris. Woo! My name is Animator. Dragon Charlie, give us a roar. Roar! Join us for play reviews from Shakespeare to ancient Greece, music, films, poetry, interviews, dark place dreamers, and more. Patreon.com slash booksboys. It's a holiday! I had to keep that somewhere. Get you <laughs> no, with lasers in that uh, clip. Yeah, so I updated that for the new hosts and things, Charlie and Aris. So, that's Patreon. Let's talk about more things that we've actually read uh, this month, though. What's your next book? Next month is only going to take two seconds. I read uh, Narcissus and Goldman. Yay! So, I read that last month. You gave a full review on it last month, which is why I'm going to be brief now. Um, I liked it. It was a good book. Yeah. I don't know why PJ has it in like his top three of all time. I thought that was a bit much. But I am going to... It, it definitely deserves the yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yes. Right? It's, it's one of those books that, for me, it felt bittersweet putting it down. I finished mm. it and I'm like, I don't know. I just felt like I lived somebody's life in just these couple hundred pages. And yeah, it was an okay life. It <laughs> was depressing, but it was happy. But it was also, there was just not much direction in his life. And it felt like you lived it alongside him in a way. I don't know. Yeah. Did you kind of feel that? Yeah, it's got a little bit of that um, Don Quixote style, like adventure vibe. Like, let's just follow this person around during his life and see what he gets up to. Um, uh, which is cool. Um, but so for him to find what his life is about, in a way. Yeah, He, he so he starts out like with the, with the monks, I guess. And eventually, it's funny because for someone who's supposed to be like devout, he has sex with a lot of girls in this book. He does, and Sisters that's quite even at one point. Yeah. Well, it's not. He doesn't actually have sex with a lot of them. He just kind of slept in the same bed and probably got handsy. He has sex with a lot of girls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's my conclusion. And, at the beginning. And the first one, I think Lisa is like the man one or the main kind of named one but then yeah there's others i mean at one point the girl marie meets him and uh he kind of doesn't even remember who she is and it turns out he'd been in their house before <laughs> and then she's just throwing herself at him like you're golden mouth i really want to kiss you i'm like i don't know what this guy has i don't know how to get what this guy has yeah everyone loved him <laughs> just because like he had those like boyish looks well there was like the first one was the uh gypsy woman who he mm. leaves the convent for has sex with her and is like, I love this woman. I'm going to leave with her. And then and she's, she's like, like, all right, see ya. I'm married and I'm going to go home <laughs> to my husband who will beat me. Yeah, that's really sad. She's like, he beats me, but it's his right to do so. But I really hope you won't also beat me. And he's like, no, I won't. Of course not. And I'm yeah. like, well, this is already sad. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, so you're going to go back to the convent? No, he keeps traveling. What is the story going to be now? Yeah, and of course he joins the workshop with Nicholas, um, and they're like, "You can't actually, that. you can't be an apprentice. You're too old, and you're not planning on like going through that kind of rigorous structure." But I'll give you a few lessons, and you can do your art. And he does like a beautiful sculpture, and it's fant- of Narcisse, and it's fantastic. 
Um, and as you say at the end, they finally, you know, Goldman and Narcisse finally get back together, and um, he goes back to the to the convent. But the woodworking stuff is my absolute favorite. I think I, just, I liked it. Yeah. I loved it because he had purpose in a way. Yes. Now, what did you think about the moment where, like he said, like you forgot your childhood at the very beginning? Narcissus said that, and then he took it to heart mm. and like uh, basically faints because it. That was funny. That was very melodramatic. I do like that. And it circles back a little bit at the end when he talks about his mother. Um, Yeah, I liked it. I think the book was good. I just... Would I say the book was great? I don't know. I was kind of like that at first. And then at times I was like, maybe we should just keep going. Maybe Mm. I should skip a couple pages. But then looking back on it now, I'm like, no, it... Him thinking about his mother, his unfinished dreams and aspirations at the very end, it made me feel for him. I think he's a very easy character to feel uh, sympathy for. Um, it's um, it might grow on you. I don't know. Like I, it did me. Yeah, I guess the thing is, this is no better than like just your average Dumas. That's the not the one we just revet, reviewed, but uh, you know. <laughs> But it was fine. I liked it. I, I don't really have anything bad to say about it. It was good. You know, and that's that's my thoughts on it. I'm not going to go, as I say, we talked a lot more in depth about it last month, so there's no point in... in Check of, that you know. out. Uh, yes. Get it. Buy it. Books. Booksboys.com. And you know where to listen, because you're already listening. And um, do that thing. And if you're not, how? If you're not listening right now, please go to check out the Books Boys <laughs> podcast... Um, and then recommend it to your friends, um, and that's great. And here's Alfred. Alfred is with us. He's not getting up to as many shenanigans as last time, but we'll set him here, and then we'll see. Would you like to go next? Sure. So I've been kind of needing to catch up on classics and stuff like that, because you don't really read... You read some in class, but you don't get to all of them. So, last summer I read Dracula. This month I read Frankenstein. I do like Dracula more. So, yes. So, this is the thing. It is better, right? It is better. Now, I don't want to necessarily bash on Frankenstein because I think it is also a good story for the most part. But Mm -hmm. there are areas where it can fail. Whereas Dracula, I feel like as an overall story, is better. For me, the reason I think Dracula is a really good book is that Dracula is always there. He's always in the back, uh, like, back of your mind. Like, okay, where is he going to be? He's in the fog. He could be an animal. You don't know where this threat is going to come from. Um, Talking with uh, my flatmate earlier today, I had mentioned it, and she said, like, uh, really freaked her out. When like she saw Dracula like climbing on the side yes. of the building, and for me that I thought that was funny because I thought I'm like a gecko. And like, Dracula's also more powerful, right? He can summon abs- animals and things and turn to a bat and whatever else. He in, can control wolves. In those situations, yeah, to an extent, I would say yes. Um, yeah, he also does have like super strength and. Like, it's very hard to defeat him. He can turn other people into vampire. Frankenstein's monster can't really do anything, right? In, to an extent. I, I'm just going to be talking about Dracula, it sounds like, at this point. <laughs> um, like, Dracula, for me, 
uh, I know you didn't care for it as much when you read it like the shipping 15 years ago yeah. it's the ship for me <laughs> because for me this felt like ghost ship it was so haunting like what was happening and you don't really know what happened you find out later that it was Dracula Frankenstein here so finally getting into talking about Frankenstein he is a monster in a only his looks mm-hmm. he's the most eloquent speaker which to me is not what I expected. Mm-hmm. My image, of course, is like the Boris Karloff style. Yeah. That he goes, Ugh, and does nothing. And you have a Dr. Frankenstein who's a mad scientist with his, like, uh, helper Igor. Like, with Igor, yeah. I'm none of, of that is in this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was all, like, um, universal horror invention. Yeah, and I don't love that that was my horizon of expectations for this but i do in contrast to you see myself more as the character frankenstein because he's someone who's out there just searching for knowledge Mm. he's so thirsty for really anything and he has this discovery of combining chemistry and alchemy to create this body and i'm like okay you know the start of this pretty interesting but so my version was the 1818 version. I don't know which one you have here. Um, this might be the 1831 version, which uh, had a few different uh, few different edits because uh, Mary Shelley got a lot of uh, flack from some conservative people saying like, "Oh, maybe Frankenstein is a bit too likable." In ways, like, mm-hmm. yeah, he is a likable person. He, <laughs> he didn't try to create like a monster or anything. But mine was also split up into three volumes. Ah, okay. Which was kind of interesting. Volume one was about him going to school, and then at the very end of volume one, he creates the monster. And I'm like, okay, that is the first third of the book, okay. if not less. That is very early on. Second mm-hmm. third is basically you're hearing the monster's sure. story. Because he finds uh, Frankenstein after he tracks him down. He kills his brother. Um, I forget if it was by accident, but I think it wasn't. Um, gets another woman killed. Oh. Because she was supposed to be, like, taking care of him or found by the body. And, sure. Uh, so she gets put to death by the court. Even though um, his cousin that he's in love with and she loves him, like, she stands up for this person at court said like, yeah, we don't think that she actually killed our family member. So let her go. Mm. And the court's like, no, justice will still be served. I'm like, what do you care? <laughs> if the family is like, don't let this happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then they go on vacation and the monster tracks down Frankenstein and tells the story of his life, what he's been up to. He couldn't speak at first, but then learn from listening to others, how to speak just, uh, watching this family, tried to get to know this family, but they freak out when they see him, of kick course, him out, yeah. and it's it's really sad for Frankenstein. Uh, Frankenstein's monster in this. Jeez, <sighs> I made that mistake. Didn't mean to. So yeah, for Frankenstein's monster, Books Boys has not been cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, but now, now, now I'm forced to, to a role I don't want to be, which is that really douchey guy. Did you know that uh, Frankenstein's actually not the name of the monster? 
And that guy you want to slap. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's called the Fiend. The da- <laughs> well, Damon, even. Not even mm. Demon, necessarily, like uh, Socrates and all that. Yeah. Um, I... Everyone's likable, in a way. Except then Frankenstein's monster is like, well... I'm miserable. You created me this way. I'm like, yeah, okay, I created you, but I also gave you life. Um, sure, you're maybe not pretty. <laughs> you're a horror to look at, I guess, and it's a very sad life. I, I feel bad for you. But then, it's like, I will kill your entire family if you don't make me a wife. Like, okay, what? <laughs> That's a bit much. But then, you know, he was created... I don't want to say, like, as a joke, but he was created as a, as a science experiment, right? Like He was an experiment, and... He didn't mean to turn him that way, mm. necessarily. Yeah. So. I remember... I mean, like, I read basically Dracula and Frankenstein back-to-back, similar to what you've done. So it's been, like, 15 But 15 years, years ago. So my memories are very hazy, but I do remember liking Dracula more. I'm going to say something, though, because we've both done the comparison thing, and I think yeah. everyone listening will do that as well. Yeah. The two books, have, there's no reason to compare them. The only reason we compare them is because they got put together in movies by yes. Universal, Hammer Horror, all those kind of exactly. horror companies. The books are have nothing in common. Not really at all. Dracula, to me, is that classic monster, mm. in a way, that is a human in this case, but part human, part monster. Frankenstein here, he's called Frankenstein's monster, but he's really just a, he's a creation that is pitiable. Mm-hmm. In this case, I don't see him as a monster. He's just misguided, and he never really had that type of nurture aspect to his life, which is quite sad. So he basically chases Frankenstein around, kills his best friend after, like, Frankenstein refuses to build him a wife, and then kills his wife after gets married. Frankenstein, for some reason, believes, like, oh, on my wedding night, he's going to try to kill me. I'm like, he told you he's going to kill your family and everyone. He'll see you on your wedding night. Why do you think he's not going to kill your wife? Yeah. You're not with your wife on your wedding night, basically. You're patrolling the halls. You're stupid. Yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> um, but then he goes off chasing him around the world because after this, his father dies from hearing the getting this shock. And uh, then, doctor, not even doctor... I've already said that. Then uh, Frankenstein himself uh, dies. And Frankenstein's monster comes in and says, Oh, I feel so bad about this. Like, why do you get to feel bad? You tortured this man. <laughs> like, you've already... Yeah. Life for life or something in this case. You've just killed and killed and killed. I don't... You have a pitiable existence at first, but you didn't deserve any of this at mm. the end. So let me ask you, it's difficult, I know, with something so famous, like divorce it from all the movies you've seen, so from hard. everything, I know. I, it's nothing like any of the movies. Right. Just as a book on its own, what's it like? Is it, is it good? Like, did you like it? I would still give it a yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, you had that fast. <laughs> <laughs> That's what all the girls say. <laughs> so, but I would say this. I think that you have to go in first knowing it's nothing like any of the movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Less so even than Dracula, right? Oh, yeah. Dracula, in many of the movies, they try to make it seem like the book. Mm. In some of them, like, sure, you have your um, Bela Lugosi, which isn't super similar. Uh, But, yeah, this to me... I don't know. I, I feel like 
so I see like Jekyll and the hot Jekyll and Hyde in the back here, and I'm like, it's kind of more like that type of feeling. In a it way. is, it is, yeah. It's more like, uh, but it's all about philosophical issues as well. Like, should I have created him, or should I create his wife to at least appease him and maybe give him some sort of happiness, but also risk her being an enemy to humans and also maybe getting it on with the monster and creating an army of babies or something. Okay. You, I don't know about that necessarily, but there's at least some ideas. I just had to quickly check because you mentioned earlier Treasure Island being by Robert Louis Stevenson. And when you just mentioned Jekyll and Hyde, I was like, that's also him. I just looked it up. Yeah, that is also him. (laughs) Which I have also not read. Uh, Jekyll and Hyde's fantastic. I've read the book. I've seen lots of movies and I've seen a theatrical performance in the Opera House. Just a good story. The whole concept is fantastic. Yeah. That leads me into something I wanted to say about this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but here's my idea. I think that as a concept, Frankenstein is fantastic. Yes. I, and certainly a much more interesting concept than, for example, Dracula. But I think that the book itself just isn't as good a piece of literature. I'd say that a lot of that is probably because of our like preconceptions about what it is like from movies, in a way. Because I think splitting it into thirds with... You have the monster story in the second, third, and in the final third, you have back to Frankenstein, determining whether he should do this or not, mm-hmm. and basically finding out that like everyone around him is dying. Um, I think each of those parts can work, but I don't know if they would necessarily work together. Okay. Because I like hearing the monster's part, but I don't think this works with the rest of it. Each bit is separate. I, I kind of see it like, when I think of the movie Inglorious Bastards, each of those scenes are fantastic, but it does not work as a coherent movie to me, necessarily. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, I enjoy it for those scenes, but I don't necessarily think that they all connect. That's, that's fair. That makes sense. Mm. Cool. Very mixed review, I would say, but I think it's a fair review. Um, yeah, I don't disagree with anything you've said, so I'll I'll give you that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yay! Woo. I think yeah, I think that um, we're, we're we pretty much were when I got your initial thoughts, we were just like yeah, we're in agreement about ninety percent of yeah this yeah. stuff. Uh, I know you like Dracula a bit more than me, but I will say yeah, you know what, Dracula better story. <sighs> Yeah, because and that's what I wanted to come back to. You mentioned that you kind of feel a bit, you like you um, are more identifying with Frankenstein's. I definitely identify with Dracula. I do want you, to be yeah, Dracula. You want to be a count? <laughs> I want to be a scientist. It's perfect. Yeah. Now I will say this: I do think Frankenstein is a better ending. Okay. Yeah, that I don't know is... if I remember the details of the endings of both well enough. So Dracula's ending, obviously, he's being taken by like the people in the cart. And yeah, chased down, and within two sentences, killed. That's the second to last page, basically. What is it? Quincy also died. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Here, you had, you see, basically, Fra- Frankenstein. He's going for his vengeance, but fails, and it's truly like 
it's a tragedy for him. But it's also a tragedy for the monster because the monster's purpose was to like lead Frankenstein around mm -hmm. and kind of torture him. Now he has nothing left to live for. And he, I feel like there is no purpose to his life and he only knows one person, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's so many more questions and so much more to discuss, I think, with the ending of Frankenstein. Dracula's is like, oh well, wow, that ended fast. Mm. And it was anticlimactic. This one I feel like had a great ending. Okay, so cool. Yeah. Overall, I mean, and again, the comparisons either with Dracula or with the movies might both be unfair. Yes. Um, I think as a book, uh, Dracula it's, starts better. Yeah, we we still gave it a yeah, 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 right? Like it's still it's a good book. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. We're happy. Yeah. Cool. Uh, up next, Alfred. Did you read anything? No. There we go. Thanks, Alfred, for your contributions as always. He's just lying there. There we go. Lazy, yeah. lazy. Um, yeah. I forgot to say as well. Not only did we release some caper captains and things like that on the feed, we also released uh, a month later than the Patreon the audio-only version of my reading of my short story. So we released a video reading with the with the paintings and the sound clips and everything a month ago. But on the free feed, you will have had the life of a fellow called Chester. Um, we might talk about that next month because Alex is halfway through reading it. But potentially talk about it. General thoughts, too. real quick, on the dystopian aspect. I think Alfred's giving you the cold shoulder. Alfred's not happy. Oh, <laughs> And do we not pay you enough? Do you want another pay rise, Alfred? Ah. <laughs> no one has any idea what's happening. But, uh... <laughs> Alfred, do your job. So, yeah. Halfway through it, I... I guess we can talk about it. Yeah, now. go ahead. Yeah. We might as well. So, yeah, it's basically, to me, it's you plus Office Space plus 1984. Yeah. Um... I'd still say, like, 90% of it is you. Mm -hmm. um, Character of myself, basically. It really is, yeah, yeah. Um, it starts out uh, really interesting. It's basically a guy who has nothing really wrong, but he's also not really right either. Yep. Um, he's, in, he's married. It's fine. He has a job. It's fine. He's not really necessarily happy, but you kind of get into the difference between happy and content. That's really the um, that's how it starts as well, yeah, yeah, focusing on that. Because the problem is there's nothing wrong. It's just that it's all pointless. Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if I was talking to you about this, like if it were a writing class, generally the feedback that you would give would be quite general. Something that can be Applied, but also not like very specific. Like, yeah, yeah. Paragraph. Wow, paragraph this person's name is stupid. Like, well, all the names arguably are stupid. <laughs> well, yeah, they're cats or whatever. Cuddly. They're all they're all names. Um, I used the Dickensian Thackerian uh, naming conventions, so it's you know Madeline Hopfilterton and uh, you know um, things like that. I can't remember the others off the top of my head. A pe Penny. Skipperton or something. Yeah, they've all got. Yeah, but the, the names will tell yeah, you something about yeah. the characters. Like Chester's Witherington because he's kind of withering. But I did something cool with Penny's. She's called Penny uh, Skipper, Skipperton, and she, that's supposed to be like a fun, upbeat name to describe her personality. Mm -hmm. And he's Chester Witherington, which is supposed to be, you know, describing him. But we find out later that Penny is actually short for penance because yeah. kind of like her penance is having to actually be with Chester, although they do love each other. Um, so I like that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's looking... Like, she daydreams about, like, passion between them. And, yeah. Like... I tried to do a lot of dream sequences, a lot of, like, mm. thought 
type stuff. Reading that, I think of Brazil. We had just seen yeah. Like, okay, these dream sequences are so similar to Brazil. Which is funny. We watched that together, but after I wrote the story, yeah, yeah, I was aiming for that one scene in Garth Marenghi's Dark Place where he's getting chased by the monkeys and he's in the forest, like looking around left and right. I was trying to emulate that. Can we just say it's for Brazil? <laughs> I know it's after the fact, but at least yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll retcon some, that. Something better. <laughs> cool. Well, so, if I were to say two things, one. Uh, I would say can be improved is you're more telling us what's wrong rather than showing us what's wrong. That's fair. And I would say that most of the time it's, this is, it's so you Mm. um, with this. I'm like, okay, Dean, I know you have these, like uh, you have these issues with uh, certain political ideas and, it gets very political very fast. I'm like, I think these are very good things that can be challenged and talked mm. about. But I don't think, like, just him thinking... It's just a rant. Yeah, forever. humans are useless. <laughs> They've done nil. And I'm like, okay, okay. Where's the connection? Mm-hmm. To it? So that's one thing. The other thing is very small, but it's the proper nouns. Okay. They take me out of the story a bit. Ah. Uh, so you're just like... So this guy with a gray life, I feel like, I feel like they're too colorful. Is okay. actually the reason I think they don't. Mm, that's interesting. Me. Um, because he has this life, and it's not exactly great, but it's not exactly bad. And then he starts reading like Dickens and talking about Thackeray and Collins. I'm like, all right, that sounds like he has a personality. <laughs> I I think he has a personality. He just wants the world to mold to him. So he is me, right? Yes. (laughs) So so he's waiting for the world to mold to what he has envisaged, and that's not happening. Um, And then he's a caricature, of course, of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's cool. Um, By the time we get to the next episode, it'll be well... There's no point bringing it up again, because it'll be well beyond... uh, You'll have forgotten about it. It'll be a full month. But I will get a private chat with you when you finish reading it, just to see what you thought of the ending. But yeah, there's a lot lot there. There's a lot... It was my first attempt at writing anything, and honestly, the idea was a full book. I got 35 pages in, and I was like, that's all I want to say, actually. 35? Mine's 30. 30. Maybe it's 30. Um, (laughs) And I was like, that's all I want to say. Do I not have the ending? (laughs) (laughs) So, I guess it's done. And... uh, but yeah, uh, it's yeah. Excited for many of that. Yeah, it's it's written really well. There's a lot going for it. Yeah, so I tried to use like, a little bit of poetry and I tried to mix in some of my songs. All the chapters are named after either a song or a painting that I've made. So I tried to do like a multimedia experience with the video as well, um, which is cool. But that's that. So go listen to that. And um, that's... yeah, I did not listen to it. That sounds like it'd be fun. And plus, it has some of your paintings in it. Yeah, if you watch the video version, you get paintings and music. And uh, and you get to listen to me. And at one point, there's like a, a depressing sequence where I even like turn off the lights and stuff. And I try I try to make like a cool, um, dramatic reading. Five so. style YouTube video. <laughs> like, it was it was fun. It was fun. It was fun to make. And I wore a cool <laughs> neckerchief for the video. So there's that. That's worth uh, checking out already, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a subscription. Get it. Buy it. Books. Welcome back to part two with the Dean and Alex and Alfred the Books Boys. That's right, do not adjust your sets. We are back with part two. 
and you're not listening on that. Sad. So, um, back to episode 41 of Books Boys. What else have we read? I've read three more things. (laughs) (laughs) And that is it, yes. I'm going to talk first about this. So we've talked about trying to read things from, like, you know, a little bit more around the world, different countries, not focusing on, like, Dumai, Rutan, Balzac. I had one more Latin American book <laughs> that I hadn't read. It's been on the shelf for a long, long time. And I just thought, okay, I'm going to read the damn thing. It's a it's another Mario Vargas Llosa, Pantaleon y las Visitadoras. So Pantaleon is a person and the female visitors, basically. Oh, okay. I thought it was a different uh, way of saying mm-hmm. Pantaleon. You will. I kind of wondered if it was supposed to be related to like that that stock character of like Pantalone from the the uh, Commedia dell'arte, like the pantomime stuff. I don't think it is. Pantalone is uh, pants. It's also trousers, trousers, but it comes from the. It's a it's a stock character from like old Italian uh, plays oh, and things. Did not know that either. You'll see on the cover we have a man's leg and a yep. sexy woman's leg with like stockings or whatever those are called. Is it the same person? <laughs> it is, it, it looks, looks like, like it is. Yeah, it is not. <laughs> So, I'm going to give something a very, very, very tentative rating, and then I will explain um, why. It doesn't quite get a full yeah, 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 but just barely. And it's really getting a yeah, yeah, yeah when compared to other Mario Vargas Jossa books, okay? (laughs) So it's passable. (laughs) It's passable. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. the last time I tried to read one of these this guy's books, I, it was the first, the only book we've ever done in Books Boys that I didn't finish. It was um, The War at the End of the World. And it was like a 500 page war book with no dialogue, like tight text. And I would just look, I, I got like a quarter or a third of the way. And I was like, I, I, just, I hate this. I, just, I can't do it, you know? Okay. okay. Um, well, war and so, Peace, Crime and Punishment, I, like. This was better than that. And the only reason I finally read it was I skimmed through it and I saw a lot of dialogue. And I thought, okay, I can... And it's only 300 pages. I was like, I, I can do that. I read okay. it in a few days. Um, I was tricked. <laughs> there is not as much dialogue as there seemed. Oh, no. There are some chapters of dialogue. And then there's a lot of chapters of, like, newspaper articles that are advancing the story. Or radio reports that are advancing the story. So, we've seen that with, like, Dracula... So yeah, that has Collins the, does that a lot as well. Yeah, you have all your letters. Frankenstein does that with letters as well. Is that similar here, where it's no, because it's not yeah. like different. It's not different characters writing letters to each other and corresponding. It's more just like for some reason the narration is in newspaper form for the next hundred pages. Okay, and then we're back to like dialogue. I mean, at one point there's a part where the plot will be advanced in a radio interview. But they give us, like, a whole radio show. So it's like, here's 30 pages that aren't relevant at all. And then the last part of the radio show is relevant oh. to the story. It's like, well, I'm already all this. <laughs> I mean, that's just the concept itself sounds like it should work. Like, I can't see how it can't work unless well, it's all irrelevant. <laughs> that's why I still gave it the yeah, because it's it was fine. But still, those bits were boring when it's, like, 50 pages of just clips of... of um, Te- narration in newspaper format and or, or letter format but it's not really people it didn't give me the same vibe that I get from like a Wilkie Collins where the characters are writing secrets to each other it was very much just like here's some more stuff that happened with Pantaleon it's like okay um, the story though is flipping wild okay okay so okay. that helps but it's also insane 
Um, in later years, Jossa has gotten a bit of flack for the fact that all of his books are horrendously sexist. Okay, so take these things with a pinch of salt and with uh, necessary disclaimers and whatever else. Um, okay, so this guy's um, in the army. Uh, in the Peru- Peruvian army, I believe. Is it Peru he's from? I think so. Anyway, he's, he's in the army. And he says, okay, here's what we need. Our soldiers are really horny. Mm. Um, they're just, they're, they're having sex just all the time. It's getting so bad that they're starting to have sex with each other, mm. with animals. It's, it, it's crazy. We've got to do, they're raping people. Like this one girl's do- guy's daughter got raped. It's like, we've got to do something. We're going to bring in like a core of visitors, female visitors. So he essentially invents an army brothel. Okay, okay. And at first they're working out, like, what does the average soldier need? And they say the average soldier needs anything from four to 30 visits per month. All right. So anything from weekly to daily, basically. And they they argue, like, this corps is as important as the corps of medics. Like, this is very important for our soldiers' well-being, is that we have a lot of hookups, basically. And they say these are not prostitutes. These are, like, army, important army people, you know, as important they as doctors. They are being paid, wait. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's kind of suspicious of it. And he's like, we're going to do this. And for some reason, they go along with it. So is this just opposite of Lysistrata? I guess, in a way, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know what else to say. Like, that's that's what they do. They set this core up, and they discuss the numbers, and they're like, well, so far we've got 500 visits per week, but our goal is for 10,000 per month or something. And it's like, what? This is an insane amount of prostitution. Um, and after it starts going well, then he literally says, what if we also expand it to, like, retired officers, and even just to the citizens around, to the officers on board the ships? And someone calculates they will need a million monthly visits to, to fit all of this. And then the guy, there's a scene with the guy himself, Pantaleon, is kind of going crazy, and he's, like, raving and, like, writhing around, and he's, like, getting obsessed with the weird ideas and, and everything. It, it's it's kind of mad. This feels like it should be in Catch-22. I can see the guy who goes out, I forget his name, but he goes out and, like, on his ship, buys all these things, tries selling them uh, to other people, and ends up becoming, like, sultan at one point in one area. And I'm just like, yeah, I can see him doing this. I can see him going out and, like, starting up a business with all these women, helping the people in the army, and there'd be some sort of comedy with this. Yeah, I mean, he he does... Sadly, it's not done in a funny way. Oh. Um, Joss... Mario Vargas just has a very dry writing style, which is why I couldn't finish the last book, right? This is the most fun I've had, and I've read three of his books. And I was also appalled the entire time with everything that happened in this book. Jeez. Um, The reason... I mean, at one point, they get his wife on the radio interview and, and try to, like, get her to open up about what her husband's doing and everything. Um... There is a bit of moral ambiguity. ambiguity. No, but there's a bit of moral resistance. And they start to say, well, these women are worried. And they're worried about, they're doing like, what's the word? Lascivious acts, lewd acts, that kind of thing. They're worried that they're sinning. And they're worried that they've got syphilis. <laughs> so, in that order. It's, it's yeah, it's, <laughs> it's ideally, you know... 
they're worried. There's lots of them being used. They argue that you know they're not prostitutes. They are, and there's a lot of like these kind of transcripts where people are like, "This is what we're doing. Is is this what the army should be doing?" Like, I, I think with the amount they must be spending millions of pounds on this by the end. Like, it's kind of a ridiculous um, situation. We do get a couple of letters like with him and, and, and with the family and everything. Um, but trying to discuss like his personal side of things a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I'm just going to go ahead and give a spoiler. One woman, one of the visitors, gets crucified, and that's what? someone has such moral outrage to what's going on that she is murdered and crucified. And then, then it's done, right? Then the whole thing blows up. Okay. And that's, that's, that unravels his whole little kingdom of prostitutes that he's built up. Um, because that's really severe. So, gotta ask, so, Pantaleon, that's the guy's name. Yep. And the what? The Visitors. Oh, the visitors. that's what it is. And yeah. The Visitors is the name of the book. Okay. Yeah, you know, fair enough. Yeah. I, I'm really reticent to say, like, this is a fantastic book. Because the things that happen in the book are really dodgy. It was just better than his other books that I've read, in that I kind of enjoyed it and didn't put it down. It had a story that kept you hooked, at least, instead of just war. Yeah. I'm just skimming through my what notes, like, point? yeah, they want, like, 10,000 weekly visits at one point. It's ridiculous amount of stuff. Um, Dean didn't get the joke. What did you say, sorry? I said war. What is it good for? Uh, well, Nothing. Absolutely nothing, thank you. <laughs> yeah, this was kind of fun. That's the only the only thing. But there's a weird bit where it almost gives me like Handmaid's Tale vibes. The girls have like a hymn they're supposed to sing. Oh, wow. And they have to sing, To serve, to serve the army of the nation, to serve, to serve with much dedication. And that's really bad. <laughs> that's very dystopian. So I How do not... Being paid? <laughs> I, I don't know, but not enough, probably. Um, not for a million visitors. It's funny because I don't think he know. There's a bit where they're just like, so in one... I don't know what they mean by, like, in one go. Presumably not back-to-back. I don't know if they mean in, like, a monthly visitation period or whatever. But they're just like, so the girl can do, like, a hundred guys in one go, right? And I'm like, I don't know what you'd know about the average woman. But... Now, this is just reminding me of Alice Huxley's mm. uh, Brave New World, where, like, one womb i guess they just say like birthed like hundreds of children how is this possible what is going on do you understand anything here yeah some of his books are dodgy in that way um but it at least it entertained me enough to finish it and that's it was the most readable of the three books of his that i've read so that's why it kind of tentatively got a i'm gonna guess Second most readable? Third most readable of the books this month? Yeah. I mean, we're putting Frankenstein... Probably number one, to be honest. I think you're, <laughs> Frankenstein goes number one. Well, um, okay. No, I meant like for the ones you read. So. If we take yours out, the Dumas is not doing well, so it is above the Dumas. It is above the Dumas, but less than Narcissus and Gold. Yeah. And do you know what's going to come in above them both? It's my next book. That's a segue. <laughs> Um, the plays of Oscar Wilde. So a long time ago, we did the importance of being earnest on Playboys Extra, and Which then I completely forgot that we actually did. Yep. <laughs> and then looked at it again, like, oh yeah, we that did. Play. 
And just this month, Carla and I did his second most famous play, Lady Windermere's Fan. So go and listen to that. It's very, very good. Both the play and the episode. Um, so I have the book here. And, I, you know, I bought this in um, when I was in getting seeing the Book of Kells in, in Dublin. Oh. And I just thought, you know, I wanted to buy something while I was there. I bought this book of plays. And I thought, I'll just read them all now and review them all on the show. So I'm not going to go into like a lot of detail, and some were better than others. One is Vera, or the Nihilists. That one, I'm just going to say, was really interesting, really cool, and I mean, there's a bit with the... Just go and read it. Like, that's kind of set in almost like an ancient Greek play, in some extent, like that kind of ancient vibe. Um, there's not a chorus. All right, then I'm sold. But it's quite gruesome in the end, and um, it's like the... the the, the king or whatever the, the guy in charge the lord I think he might he might be a king uh, he kind of fancies his stepdaughter which is a bit dodgy and he keeps trying to make her dance and the mum's like this is really creepy stop it man <laughs> and then they, they have some guy's ha- you know head delivered on a platter and that kind of stuff so there's some gruesome bits and he's like you can't dance because you're covered in blood and it's all really dramatic she can dance if she wants to she, yeah she can do the safety dance oh he was worried about the safety she was slipping in the blood so Vera's fantastic all um, references Oscar Wilde is the most eclectic playwright I've ever seen just in terms of style of yes so he doesn't have a lot of plays but they're all over the place like I just told you there's some that are in like an ancient Greek kind of style there's some where he's clearly trying to be Shakespeare then there's the ones that are the style we think of him, which is like our importance of being earnest and that kind of style. Victorian, like yeah. upper class. So he's all over the place. Also, I just realized the play I described was not Vera, but Salome. Oh. So there's Salome, there's also Vera. Um, so I made a mistake there, but apologies. Um, there's a couple that are fragmentary. There's just like a Florentine tragedy. That's only like we've only got five pages of it, that kind of thing. Um, but the ones I'm going to talk about are the Duchess of Padua, a woman of no importance, and an ideal husband. Duchess of Padua, I've heard of this one. Mm. This one was pretty good. Basically, this chap, um, he has been. Is his dad was a, some kind of important guy, king? Not quite a king, I don't think, but some important guy. But was eventually sold into slavery. So he travels to the city to Padua with his friend. And he's kind of like, right, I want to get some kind of revenge. He's told to meet a mysterious stranger. And the stranger says, you know, here's your dad's dagger. And we're going to get revenge. By the way, the person who did it was the Duke. Hmm. So you're going to enter the Duke's service. And when I tell you to, and not before, you're going to use this dagger to kill the Duke. So he says to his friend, I'm sorry, I love you so much, we're best friends, I will never see you again, please leave, and I'm going to live here in Padua, please go back home. And then he falls in love with the Duchess. The Duke is kind of an ass, and the Duchess is sad. And the Duchess gives, like, bread to the poor people, the Duke's like, I don't know, well, these poor people are always complaining, just go starve somewhere, like, what's the problem, you know? And he treats his wife really badly, and she says, why do you treat me so harshly? And he says, well, I've already got you in the palm of my hand, I control you, so being kind would be wasted. Oh. Because you can't do anything anyway. It's like, oh, you're the worst kind of person, (laughs) okay. So, that's the Duke. So, we have no problems with him being killed. Mm. Um... So basically, our guy falls in love with the Duchess, 
and they're they're sleeping together and everything. That's fine, I guess. Then he's not sure if he can actually do the murder, mm. and he decides that in the end he can't actually bring himself to do it. And he goes to the Duchess and he says... He kind of sends her away because he's about to go and do the murder. So he kind of jilts her and she's a bit annoyed. And he says, like, something is between us that we can't be together. She takes that as, oh, it's my husband. I'll just kill my husband. So he goes, doesn't kill the husband, comes back to find that she has killed her husband. And there's a bit of confusion because, of course, it's the wrong dagger that's been used. He gets tried for it. Um, and, of course, they you know they say, no, it wasn't me. The problem is, she thinks that he'll rejoice. And he'll be like, you killed your husband. Now we can be together. Problem solved. Yeah. He's horrified. He's like, I couldn't bring myself to commit the murder. You have committed a murder, you horrible person. And he <laughs> jilts her again. And she's like, well, if you're going to betray me, I'm going to betray you back. They all think you've done the like, murder. I'll just tell them you did. Okay. So this is just, what is that, Electra? Yeah, something like that. So, but this was a really fun read and the betrayals and everything. It's fantastic. It kind of reads like a Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like Salome and stuff reads a bit more like an ancient Greek. The reason I say Electra is because, you know, at the end, it, when Electra and Orestes uh, kill uh, yeah, Yestra, yeah. but they were kind of told to by the gods, and then the gods come in and say... You did a bad thing by killing your... Uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't support that. Like, you had us do it! <laughs> yep, this is a problem. But I, I, I really enjoyed this one. Um, the next one is A Woman of No Importance. So the last, the other two are both very much in the same line as, as like Lady Windermere's fan and things like that. I'm going to be honest, though. When you read something like Lady Windermere's fan or... The importance of being earnest. They're full of quips, right? His books are very funny. They've got a lot of funny little lines and a lot of quips, but they've got a good story. These two, it's like, oh, what if there was just quips, but there's not really a good story? And that, for that reason, they're a little bit more of a letdown. Um, they're not as strong as his good plays. It's almost like, yeah, you still need the good story. They just about... Just about still get a yeah, 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 but they weren't as good as, you know, Ernest or like the really famous ones. I'm kind of surprised. You were really talking him up. It's just that the, the, the characters are still cool. The setting is cool. The quips are all there. The story was just weaker than his best plays. You know, these are not his best plays, I guess. So he doesn't have that many, but... <laughs> to be fair, he doesn't. Yeah. It's a bit of a shame. Um, but no, I still like them. So, in A Woman of No Importance, they basically have, this chap receives a note from this woman, and it turns out that that's the mother of his son. So he's going, he's going to give his son a, a job. So they're at a party. Uh, you're messing around with Alfred. <laughs> Just, I'm trying to make you laugh. So they're at a party. Alfred's par- watching a movie. Oh, <laughs> Alfred, you're on the job. So they're they're at a party, and the the son doesn't know that this is his father. Oh. So 
the father knows that it's his son and he offers him a job as a secretary because that'll boost his career. He's working in the bank at the minute. Now he's going to be like a Lord's secretary. And the mother doesn't want it because the father had actually jilted her a long time ago and basically ruined her life. So she's like, you're not taking my son. She's a bit overprotective. She's like, you can't take my son away from me. And it's like, this will actively benefit his career, though. You should actually let him go. But she, you know, fights against that. She doesn't want to. Um, But the funny thing is, when they see the letter from her, the, the husband initially says, oh, that's just, ignore that letter. It's from a woman of no importance. Okay. Um, and then it comes circular because at the very end um, when the husband visits her and the son says who was that who visited you and now she's got the upper hand she says oh don't worry it was just a man of no importance and that's kind of cool frankly my dear (laughs) Um, he almost insults her like he almost calls her like a a slut or something like it's she stops him by slapping him with her glove but she's like so distraught. She's like, but he was going to say it. He was going to say it. Because I guess in that time, that would have been like an unthinkable kind of um, insult. But it's funny because they're at a party and everyone's very, very... I mean, there's this one old posh lady who's like um, always telling her husband, who I think is like a Sir John or something. She's like, uh, John, Sir John, come over here and uh, you know, you're, you're cold over there. And he's like, no, I'm fine. And she's like, I'll be the judge of that. Come over here, put your mufflers on and sit in the shed or whatever. And he's just like, yes, dear. And off he goes. And then they're talking to this American lady. Um, they clearly don't know anything about about America, you know? And they're like, well, we've got great countryside here. Do you have any? And she's like, yes, we've got a lot more than you. It's a much bigger country. And they're just like, oh, sounds very drafty. You know, I prefer mine. Like, this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just kind of constantly trying to smite at each other. That's the... Yeah, but you're in like a log cabin <laughs> over there with... Well, I'm not going to... Yeah, and that's the kind of... And then they, they even say like, oh, there's a banker here. Like, we shouldn't have working people here. And she's like, oh, in America, we respect working people. And they're just like, yeah, I suppose you would. Like, they're just <laughs> constantly trying to jibe at each other, you know. Um, these are aristocratic types and they're all bitchy to everyone basically that's the setting for actually both of these plays <laughs> um you have a lot to bleep out this time aren't you i think i think i can get away with bitchy okay. it's an adjective the nine maybe not <laughs> um so that's kind of what happens yes there's the part where the guy actually wants to marry the he, he likes the american girl actually And the mother is fine with it as well. There's no real problem. The issue is just with the father. So then, of course, what happens is the father insults the American girl. Uh, It's sort of implied that he insults her physically. Okay. And then the son is like, I will kill you. And that's the reveal. The mom's like, don't kill him. He's your dad. Oh. And then that's kind of the the reveal. Um, It's a fun play. It's an interesting play. The last one is an ideal husband, and this is a fun one. We have, again, another, like, aristocratic couple, and in this one, it's very straightforward. The father is being blackmailed, and again, they never consult their wives in these things. They're always very much like, I'll sort out myself and not give her any... I saw what you said, and no, you cannot say that. <laughs> it's an adjective. <sighs> They're just like, um, I will not give my wife any agency, so I'll just kind of take all this mental load myself. 
And so this woman's blackmailing him and she's saying, look, I know that you once um, released a cabinet secret and then used it to profit from it. You knew that like something would happen that you could make a lot of money from. You could mm. buy these shares or whatever it was. So I have dirt on you. And what I'm going to do is blackmail you unless you support my project. And he's really against it from like political reasons because he's a politician. But the project is just like supporting some like building project in Argentina or something. And I'm like, just fine. Like, you know, oh, but it's helping people. You can't do he that. thinks it's it won't great. work, but yeah. So he changes his mind. The wife's really suspicious. And then he eventually does confide. Um, the wife is horrified because she thinks, well, my, I thought my husband was so good and so virtuous. And now I find out that he did a bad thing before. And then he just gaslights the hell out of her. And he's like, well, it's your fault because if you hadn't put me on such a pedestal, I wouldn't have had so far to fall. A like, stool. <laughs> also that. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, so just forget the fact that you did a bad thing. Somehow mm-hmm. it's your poor wife's fault. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, this was written by a man, so. Then there's his friend who's trying to help, but of course the friend meets with the wife to try to find like a solution to it. Um, but it kind of then looks suspicious because it's like, well, why is your wife meeting this man? And the blackmailing lady tries to frame that in like a suspicious way to cause problems for the marriage. Uh, the resolution comes very, very quickly. The guy's just like, oh yeah, you're blackmailing him, but I think you also stole this jewelry once, this brooch. So therefore, I'm blackmailing you. So <laughs> we're at a catch-22 there, and it's just all, it's over. There you go. And it just that's it. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but then the Lord is like, well, hold on. That woman was bad, and I saw her coming out of your room. So therefore, you are sleeping. My friend is actually sleeping with the woman who uh, is blackmailing me. And then he's like, no, that's that's not accurate. I'm not sleeping with her or with your wife, and everything is fine. <laughs> well, so it's it's kind of just fine. And it, it, well. it, the, yeah, the play closes with him kind of saying to his wife, and a better do you really... Well. Yeah. well, it ends with him asking his wife, you know, do you really love me or do you just pity me? And she's like, yes, I love you, and we'll have a new beginning together. And hmm. it, it's kind of nice. Very good. So for the listeners, I've... Spent a lot of time <laughs> trying to make either Dean laugh by having Alfred see stuff on my phone. So if he's ever distracted during this or things seem weird, it's because of that. I also messaged him after he said, like, I think I can say... Uh, bitchy? Bitchy, because it's an adjective. So I messaged him saying, uh, can I say something else since it's an adjective? And he said... That was a real swear, and you cannot say that. <laughs> but it's an adjective! It is not the same. But it's... Well... Blanktacular. <laughs> um, I'm just looking through quickly. I don't think I have... Oh, there's, there's a couple of funny moments in the plays. So just to give an example, at one point, uh, Lord Goring, one of the, I think it's the son, he wants to marry this, uh, this lady. And he says to her, um, she says, oh, this is one of the days that uh, Tommy Trafford proposes to me. He's like, what do you mean? She's like, oh, Tommy proposes to me every Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> And she's like, that. did you accept him? So I make a point never to accept Tommy. That's why he keeps on doing it. And But then she teases, like, but if you don't hurry up and propose, then I might just accept him next time. So yeah, way to trivialize marriage, but okay. Yeah, yeah. 1800s man. Yeah. I don't have any specific examples, but I should, like, they're really, they're really, really full. There's drama, but they're also so full of quips. The kind of stuff you expect from Oscar Wilde. Lots of puns and lots of... Re- a He's lot of it's very sexist, though. And yeah. I do have to give that caveat. I don't like the sexist ones. Um, yeah, from the modern lens. Yeah. yeah. 
But these two stories were very much like, oh, they're very, especially a woman of no importance. Like, very quip-heavy, light on story. Sometimes it's not enough. If we learn anything from P.G. Woodhouse, is that just making quips isn't enough. You actually have to write a, a book as well. <laughs> but uh, they were fun. They were short. They don't want to stay there welcome. They're two fun plays. I wouldn't mind seeing them performed. So they got their, their yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that. Lastly? Last one, yeah. So the last book I read is by W.J. Blackwood. Or John Blackwood. Uh, It's called The Turning Point. On the cover here you'll see it says only a little into the future. It's supposed to be a dystopian-esque... Immediate future. Oh, okay, yeah. And it's... It says in the front, a cautionary tale of where woke might be leading us. Now, I'm going to just go ahead and kind of put a disclaimer straight away. I like the story of the book. I don't necessarily agree with the kind of takes on the anti-woke takes, um, if I'm being honest. Fortunately, they're not really a big part of the book. They come in majorly in one particular scene where like a bunch of kind of super woke kind of hippie types appear to besiege the farm if you kind of take that bit out it's not really a problem so that's fine um what the story is is there's this group called the foundation who are basically doing uh selling people into human slavery they are then selling them to important like politicians and world leaders and important businessmen with the idea that they then get dirt on those people and can blackmail them. So they're kind of aiming for global domination in a way. And our main character gets... They, they hire you to do an ad. It's a real ad. And then they say, cool, we have more advertising work for you uh, in London, for example. So then you meet a rep. He takes you to London you know, you don't really go there. You go somewhere else. You get immediately kidnapped, and that's that. Uh, you're not taken just to... They do run brothels and things. They also run hotels. They take you to Peru, where you have to... <laughs> kind of ties in. They will just give you to someone you never heard from again, and you're a slave, basically. Um, but yeah, they do also run a brothel in London, and they also run hotels. And we have one guy called Side Martin, who is... Um... Like Sideshow Bob, <laughs> named Martin. He is um, working for them, but not really intentionally. He takes the kind of hotel job and then discovers what they're up to. And then is kind of... Everyone's afraid. Like, there's this constant ominousness and everyone's like, if we resist or if we say something, we will just get killed. So people kind of go along with a lot of things. Um, But what happens is... I think it's Greg, the handler for our main character... He falls in love with her and doesn't want to take her. He's meant to just take her and give her away into slavery, basically. That's his job, to trick her. He's like, we've got to go uh, suddenly to Iceland, and then we've got to go somewhere else. And they end up in Scotland. Because he's just like, I don't want to go where we're meant to go, because you're, she's going to get sold into slavery. So mm-hmm. he wants to save her. Um, he's also not a good guy. He doesn't get thanked for saving her in the end. But... Yeah, he, he likes her, so I guess for his own selfish reasons, in a way, he's like, well, we're going to save this one, but never mind the other, you know, heinous things I've done in the past with the other ones. Um, and that's what happens. But there's some good action sequences. I do like the dystopian stuff. I do like the idea that, like, well, what if there was this group that are, you know, 
selling these girls to try you know, luring them in with, with with modeling work with advertising work and then selling them to someone to politicians to get dirt on them and and make a whole um blackmail racket thing like that that's a kind of a cool interesting story um and that's kind of what i'm gonna say about it for now oh what's that wait me a second okay let's see Hello, you're three to books, boys. You've got Dean on the line. Who's calling? Hi, it's John Blackwood. Blackwood, fantastic that you would call in. Uh, and such a coincidence because we were just chatting about your great book here, The Turning Point, which I I have beside me. Um, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing fine. So um, I read the book and we chatted about it there. And it's an interesting one because I would say that it's sort of, there's two different things happening in the book. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. There is the the base story, which is about essentially modern slavery, sex slavery, and the abduction of, of Judy. But then there's this underlying story about kind of society in general, this almost dystopian, um, wokery kind of, of thing. Was, was it your plan to have those two sort of elements and, and to see how they could come together? Um, well, uh, broadly speaking, your, your analysis is perfectly correct. Um Oh, uh, <laughs> it, it followed on from a previous book a little bit, but there's no particular uh, continuity of story there. Um, but two of the characters followed on. But basically, I wanted to <laughs> let everybody think about what's going on in society. I don't want to frame, uh, oh, it's this conspiracy theory or that conspiracy theory. I'm not, not in the business of doing that, but Certainly mm. some conspiracy theory applies these days. Um, and I thought, well, how to do it? And I thought, well, what would they be doing? And what they were doing in the last book was uh, running a, 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 a bordello to get influence on, on politicians. So I thought I'll extend that a little bit. And what would be beyond that? Well, it would be people trafficking. It would yeah. be moving girls about. And so the two things came together. And I thought, I'll, I'll do it that way. And then there had to be somebody to traffic, and that was Judy, not Trudy. <laughs> and uh, I thought initially she'd be some sort of ancillary character, although she'd have to play a, a part in the whole story. But um, she rapidly took over the whole thing. And I know it's not PC to write about uh, girls if you're a man, or especially not to write about young girls, but there you are. Mm. And she took, over, she took over the whole story. She did. Uh, I mean, we start out really with, now, I don't know how to pronounce this chap's name. It's the one that she calls Said Martin. Is it Said yes. Martin? I don't know how yeah. that's pronounced. It, it, it was. He's from the original story and he was, to illustrate the international man who has no idea what his origins are. Mm. He's questioned about his name and he has no idea. He's never asked about <laughs> it. He's never inquired into it, you know. Yeah. But that, that was the point of the silly name. <laughs> and, and Judy calls him uh, Side, Martin. Side Martin, yeah. <laughs> we kind of start out I mean, in the beginning. I'm thinking almost that he's going to be our main character, just because we we kind of set the scene of him working in hotels and things, and then mm. he gets this assignment. Basically, we'll give you a whole load of money, go work in this place, take a little while to get to grips with it, and then we throw this at you. Oh, by the way, it's kind of you're going to be overseeing this sex slavery yeah. business, yeah. and he's, he's in not, shock he's about not- it. <laughs> He's not expected to object, and he doesn't ultimately. No, 
He just accepts it. He does. He is shocked by it, though. But he oh, yeah, accepts yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's a step too far for him. He's, he's come halfway yeah. in the previous book. Um, but this is a step too far. But uh, he spends a, a, a dark night of thinking about it and he just knuckles under. Yeah, he goes ahead he, and does it. As these characters do. And it's a tricky one because although it's a horrendous business, he he also kind of thinks, "What well, am I in too deep with the with, with this company, with the foundation?" And you know, what what will happen to him if he declines is the other thing, you know. So he kind of well, has this this moral dilemma, I suppose. Well, the, what happens to him if he declines is is sort of <laughs> everybody understands it, but nobody speaks about it. Yeah, <laughs> something exactly. <laughs> and. So then I'm thinking, okay, he's our, our main guy. But then, of course, the focus switches to Judy, who is, of course, the one that they they put the ad, they get her to do an ad, and it is a real ad. Um, and then they use that. They send in our, our chap, David, posing as Greg. And he says, you know, um, I saw your ad. It's very good. I can get you some more work. Come with me. And off they go. So Side Martin ends up not really being our main character. I mean, he still appears throughout the book, but the focus, as you as you say, it seems to switch to to Judy. So that wasn't necessarily something you had intended. That was just the way the story went, was it? And possibly that goes against all the rules of structure, but um, that's the way the story went, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, of course, we focus a little bit more towards the end about... Um, you know more of it, more of these social issues. Then I mean, and again, not to not to give too many details or spoilers, but we do end up with a big siege type scene, um, which I suppose is supposed to be the the not the pinnacle, but almost the the reductio ad absurdum of, of some of the kind of woke arguments that we we see today. Mm-hmm. How it's interesting to me because you talk about that stuff without kind of laboring the point. I feel like you know it doesn't that's turn it. into to a, to a rant. You know, was that that's a fine it. line to for us? That's very, that was very deliberate. It could easily have turned into a rant, and um, I saw that was the wrong way to go. Yeah, I, uh, I suppose the, so. <laughs> but the point the point about the siege is that all these people are turned against them, and none of their objections apply to who they're besieging. They're just besieging an order. Which yeah. No, the question is how you know. Do you find that? Because um, I I don't know. Do you find that to be a a realistic interpretation of the way things are going to go in the world, or is it more of a caricature? Hmm. It's not a caricature, uh, but it's not a projection either. Um, I'm not in the business of telling people about the future. If I if mm. I were be a, a tremendously powerful position to be in. And that's that's <laughs> um, true as well. It, it's a, a realistic speculation, shall we say. There, that's, yeah, realistic speculation. I think that's fair. And the book is, and it's interesting on the title, and I, I forgot this as I was reading it and I had to kind of close the book and go back and look at it, but it's right there on the front cover, only a little into the future, you know. So it is, maybe as you say, that realistic speculation of, what could happen? Um, I've had one review so far that says it's not only a little into the future. It says it's here. Well, that was kind of, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Do you think this stuff is starting to happen? It wasn't me that said it. <laughs> yeah, but I was thinking that myself. You know, I was thinking that it's that potentially where, where things are going. You know, if it's the future, then maybe it's the immediate future. You know, it's right 
it's tomorrow, maybe not not next year. But you know, that's that's pure speculation. Um, but I, you know, it's an interesting book because I enjoy the story. I enjoy. I, I really, really rooting for Judy. Of course, I want to find out. You know how things are going with her. She gets together, of course, with James. They've got Roddy, their sort of ex detective, who's helping them out. They've got their little kind of gang put together, and I'm rooting for them. You know. But then, of course, I wasn't expecting the siege stuff. I suppose I was expecting more. We go back to the foundation and we just see what's going to happen with the next girl. So I was actually very pleasantly surprised by the way the plot completely swerved me. It didn't. It didn't go in the direction I was expecting at all. The the point about the the foundation is it's so amorphous and, and shadowy in the background. You can't confront it. Yeah. And they can't either. They, they they can they beat it back on this one particular aspect, but uh, that's as far as they get. And they retire in victory, but it's not really a victory. <laughs> it's not, yeah, because the naive part of me thinks, you know, I'm reading and I'm thinking, we're running out of you know out of pages. How are we going to take down the entire foundation? And then I realize, oh, we're, we're not, not going to. <laughs> it's no. impossible, you know. That's very much the point. Yeah. Yeah. You can just that, that, have this that one. Was, that was that was no, um, no. That's very much the point. Yeah, that was that was designed from the beginning. Yeah. Um, how you know overreaching is the foundation? You know, it seems to have a great span, a great control. Of course, you said yourself already. Part of what they're doing is getting information on important people. You know, politicians and the like, potentially to blackmail them or whatever. It seems like they're becoming very, very powerful. Is that is that fair well, to say? How powerful do you think they are? We live in an age where you choose your conspiracy theory. Yeah, certainly they seem to be very powerful. And I think one or two hints that we get, maybe, although you know, it might be speculation on my part, is when um, the police completely fail to do anything on more than one occasion when they're well, called. That, that's out. already happening. Yeah. So that's the moment where I'm thinking, okay, so the foundation have bought, you know, the police, potentially the whole town's police, if not at least at least the chap who's gone out, you know. And um, so you think that's already happening in in today's world? Well, there was uh, six London policemen turned up the day before yesterday to arrest uh, uh, from Northern Ireland, strange enough, in London, uh, one of these um, preacher ranters. You know, mm. just, and six people turned up to arrest him. And how many people turned up to arrest people at the Palestinian de- um, demonstrations every Saturday? How many are arrested? Mm. I think it's definitely something that we should, as a uh, you know, as members of a society, be conscious of and be worried about. And certainly, you know, we want to know what motivation is behind things that are happening. You know, what are the police doing? Are they serving us or are they tyrannizing us? And, and who's calling the shots for them? And certainly the last people I would ever trust is uh, is the current Tory government to be doing anything in anyone's favour but, but their own. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an interesting uh, interesting point. So you've mentioned that our friend Side Martin, this is not his first uh, rodeo, so to speak. Um, I'm not going to spoil what kind of becomes of him, but let me just phrase it in, in, a, in a particular way. Is there going to be a sequel or, or a follow-up to this, or is this a closed story now? I don't know. You don't know? Okay, interesting. <laughs> mm. because that, well, there is a sequel. There's a, there's a sequel 
which is 90% complete and it's nothing to do with the present one. Right, okay. So in, in what sense is it a sequel, just more in the, well, the, in, set in the in, same kind of in universe? Or? It's, in the, it's the next book. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's all. Okay, yeah. okay. But there's no there's no direct kind of tie-in with the characters. I was wondering, because of course, some some of the characters you could pick up on and some you couldn't, but you can definitely pick up on the foundation, you know? And there is still that part of me that wonders, will we get that next book and, and see someone try to take down another another cell or another, you know, plan of theirs, another element. But certainly they seem to have gotten to a position to be not untouchable, but unbeatable, I guess. Well, that, that's that's the impression I wanted to leave, that they're, they're retreating, they've had their nose bloodied, but there's no way they can be Is there a sequel to come actually directly from this? Possibly, I don't know. But the, the next book is not about that. Mm-hmm. It's something completely different. Okay, and you say it's 90% done, so are we expecting to get that this year, or has it got to go through a long sort of editing process? When when can we hope to look forward to that one? Oh, I, we should have it this year, yeah. Good, good. I'll look forward to that then. Well, there's a question that we ask every author who comes on the show, so I'll go ahead and ask it to you now, and that's, if there's any existing book that you wish you'd been the person to write, what do you think it would be? Oh gosh, I don't know. I I to narrow that down to one. It'll surprise me. Oh, we have had people give more than one answer, but I mean ideally one. Yeah, whatever whatever you're comfortable with, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay then. The confessions of a justified sinner. No, I haven't actually. The Confessions <laughs> of a Justified Sinner. Yeah. It's okay. a Scottish book um, by a, the Border Shepherd, and it came. It was, gosh, when was it published? It was published anonymously in about. Oh gosh. 1840. It's absolutely groundbreaking. Um, and the publisher was <laughs> of my name, but that's another story. Um, and it's oh gosh, you have to read it. it it's just, so far ahead of its time. I've just googled it here. Believed to have been written in eighteen twenty four, about yeah, four hundred pages. Yeah, James Hogg. Okay, but as you say, published uh, anonymously. Wrote, I think that's the only novel he wrote. Um. And it was originally published anonymously, yeah, because he was terrified of mm. the church at the time. Um, and it's, oh, it's so deep. It's, it's against, against predestination and um, it's a psychological story. It's a political story. It's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I would recommend it thoroughly. And it's Fantastic. weird. If it was published today, oh, um, Either with the details moderned up to the present time, mm. or published as a sort of uh, retrospective historical novel, it would pass no problem at all. And I don't think he wrote another novel. I think he was uh, he wrote lots of short stories and um, poems as, uh, and what have you. But the, he, he, he was a very hum, humble origins. He really was a, uh, the epic shepherd, and he, well, that was his. I think his, his, his culmination of his powers. Yeah. Good. I love to get a recommendation that I've 
never encountered before. That's fantastic. You know, sometimes people, oh, I wish I'd written, you know, some really successful book, you know, Harry Potter or something. But this is something very, I don't want to say niche, but very something something that's completely evaded my um my book this, searches. So I'm glad to glad to have the I mean, recommendation. It, it, I mean, in the Scottish background, it came out more or less the same time as um, uh, all the novels uh, of what's his name. Gosh, mine's going a blank. Um, oh, James Cummings. Um, Ivanhoe and all that crap. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can't stand. Churned <laughs> out by the yard. Um, and it, 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 in contrast to all these, it, it's just soars high above them. Fair enough. Well, the last thing I'll ask you then, John, is if you'd like to plug your website or, you know, tell people where they can go and get the book, something like that, and then we'll let you go. Um, the website is down at the moment um, because I'm wrestling away with uh, Wix. Oh, you don't need to know it. Um, but the, the <laughs> website, once it'll be up, is just wjblackwood.com. Cool. I got the .com without numbers or anything. That's grand. So we'll go ahead and put uh, we'll put a link in the show notes anyway, and then people can go check it out. And hopefully they'll check out your wonderful book. There we go. The Turning Point by W.J. Blackwood. I've John, got one of them. You got it as well. <laughs> John, thank you so much for calling in and enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Okay, thank you. Well, there we are. Thank you so much to uh, Mr. Blackwood for calling in and chatting about his book, The Turning Point. Um, as I say, you can go ahead and, and check out the book for yourself. It's an easy enough read. It's only about 300 pages. Sometimes it, it's a fun book. And of course, yeah, it's it's not it's not like a tiny print one or anything like that either. It's it's quick to get through. I read it in two days, I think. Um, I really like the concept. And I also like some of the action sequences near the end. And she, when she gets together with the two guys in the farm and everything. That's kind of nice. But... I like that it explores some moral issues. Not a massive fan of, as I say, of some of the sort of takes on on wokeism and things, but that's you know that's a personal thing, and, and you can make your own decisions on that. Um, but yeah, overall, I did like the book, and so I guess I'll give it a yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do not have my sound effect ready anymore. Let me just find it. There we go. There we go. That's all the books that we've read. Um, it's a short month. It's a short month. I have actually read th- three-fifths of an Umberto Eco book, The Name of the Rose, but we'll save that for next month. you got to compromise. Uh, that's <laughs> a terrible joke. Uh, no. i got to leave it for next time because I haven't finished it, and also I'm going to spend for a week, so I probably won't read that much next month, so it's helpful to have a book almost ready before we even start. That is that. Um, don't forget to head over to booksboys.com. Check out some things. There's links. We've got music up on Spotify. I've got a dozen more on there. We will close this episode with another song from that album. And we've also got, as I said, the short stories out. We've got all our stuff on Patreon for the price of a cup of coffee. And, of course, we'll be back next month with another episode of Books Boys, which will be episode 42. And I believe that is us. So we're going to close with a song. It's an old one. It's about... Only but a goodie. Nine years old? Maybe hitting ten soon? Um, but it's from the new album, because what the new album is, is half new songs and half old songs that weren't released last time, basically. Um, and this song is called Proposals, Dances, and Sexual Advances. And 
if the DJ would spin that record. We'll be back in about a month. Oi. Think about the time you went away All I wanted was for you to say I love you Oh baby I need you Oh baby I want you Oh baby to come on back to me Tonight Baby You were a foolish young girl A product of your time I was overcome with desire to make you mine No matter what you did My love kept on
Books Boys was presented by The Dean and Playboy Alex in association with Thaddeus Penguin Productions. Ah. This episode was brought to you by our sponsor, Victor Hugo Method. If you would like to get in touch, you can email us at booksboys at hotmail.com or visit us at booksboys.com. The intro uses Driving in the 70s from the Of Soundtracks and Garage Bands EP by Trapdoor. And the outro uses Dog's Light by Bravo Marx from the album of the same name. All music used is either podsafe or used with permission. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash booksboys, get the show early, and all of our bonus booth fan the boys shows. And you can also check out our music on Spotify or Apple Music. Thank you kindly for listening to us. Please tell your friends and come back next time for another episode of Books Boys. Read some books! I don't know what shenanigans were going on Alfred during the show. But we gotta settle. But it doesn't be a short one.